Hi everyone, welcome in a new episode of my podcast. Again, this is an episode where Pascal Coppens and myself will compare two companies, one from China and one from the West. And in this episode, we dive into the details of Disney, one of my favorite companies, you all know that. And Pascal will look into Tencent, but more specifically the entertainment and gaming part of Tencent. Enjoy this new episode, everyone, and thank you for listening. So Stephen, I know you're a huge Disney fan, I am. <laughs> but the reality is that Tencent, the biggest social media company in China, wants to really beat Disney now. And they're doing that in gaming, in comics, in anime, in lots of things. And they want to go global as well. They, they even have bought some things in Hollywood. And, and so what do you think about Disney versus the new trend of Tencent going after Generation Z? I think Disney is, is a fantastic example of a very old company that constantly reinvents itself, where Disney Plus is one of the latest examples. But the key strength that Disney has that Tencent will never have is the top IP that they have. I mean, it goes from Mickey Mouse to Avatar to Star Wars yeah. to Pirates of the Caribbean. Imagine how they can leverage that IP uh, around the world. So I think this is going to be an, an easy win for Disney, in my opinion. But let's look at the details. Disney, one of my favorite companies to talk about. And, and a lot of the companies that we've been talking about so far are new companies, high-tech companies. Disney is an old company, but they reinvent themselves over and over again in an extreme creative way. Like They became successful with these animated videos, as you all know. Snow White was the first one. But then Walt Disney said, you know, guys, I, I'm not happy with the two-dimensional aspect of my movies. I want people to walk around in my films. I want to have a three-dimensional film. And people said, well, that's Walt, that's impossible. The result was a couple of years later that they opened up Disney World, a three-dimensional version of Disney's creativity. And now in the last few years, they started to add IP and make acquisitions, like Pixar was a very successful one, the Star Wars acquisition, of course, Marvel, are all very important steps to move to this moment at the end of 2019 to launch Disney+. Plus. They had most of the IP in the world and they could stream that then directly to their customers. This was one of the breakthrough innovations for, for Disney. And if you look to all the IP they have, I don't think there's another company in the world that has the same love brands. If you look to the love to Mickey Mouse or Star Wars, I mean, that's a unique position that Disney has. But they're also trying to innovate on, on different dimensions. Like in their parks, they want to come up with robots instead of characters in, in suits or static characters in rides. They want to work with real-time robots that move and walk around in the park like they're real humans. That's the next level that they're looking for. So they're constantly looking for the next challenge and what they could deliver to surprise their guests and their fans. But there are, of course, a number of challenges as well. And, and COVID obviously was a big challenge. They were hit dramatically since all the parks closed down, movie theaters closed down, cruise ships were, were docked. This was the first time in history that the Disney parks were closed all over the world for such a long time. So thank God for Disney that they launched Disney Plus at the exact right moment, like three months before the pandemic started. So that was a good thing. But one of their challenges is to, to leverage the different channels that they have and to leverage all the content that they have. Like Disney is also the owner of ESPN, the sports TV channel. There's so much competition out there in terms of sports content 
that ESPN is losing market share year after year, even though they're trying to connect it with other packages. Many of the US sport fans, they don't want to pay for it because they think it's too expensive. So it's not because it's Disney that people are willing to pay any price whatsoever. But they have the IP. They have what they call the Mickey Mouse effect. And I think the key challenge for them will be to leverage that IP in the battle against Netflix, in the streaming wars, but also in the gaming industry. Uh, with the IP that Disney has, imagine the possibilities that they have in the gaming world. Today, it's still pretty limited, but they are opening up to that and they're opening up to licensing out their IP to make sure that they can have blockbuster games in the next couple of years. Now, if we look to the offer you can't refuse, you know my model, right? It's about having a good product service price, it's about digital convenience, it's about partnering life and having an, a positive impact on the planet. If you bring those four together, that's when you have an offer you can't refuse. And, and Disney's been investing a lot in this digital aspect. I, I mentioned Disney Plus, but it's a true success story. Disney, after eight months after they launched it, they already had 60, 60 million users. Today, they have about 115 million users, and they gathered that in less than two years. And, you know, the, the goal of them is to change the business model. And they did a first experiment with Mulan. Mulan was the first Disney movie that you could actually buy as a Disney Plus member. Because Mulan was supposed to come out in movie theaters in April 2020, then it got postponed until July, got postponed again. And Disney was like, you know what, we got this channel here, we got 80 million people, why don't we send it directly to those users? And you had to pay like 30 euros on top of your monthly fee to have access to, to Mulan. And it was a huge success. In just a few weeks' time, they gained more than 270 million US dollars, which made it a blockbuster. But the best part for Disney was, of course, that they didn't have to share that revenue with movie theaters. So it was only for them. It was a huge hit. And this is a change in business model. In the past, Disney made content. They sent it to movie theaters, then to home theaters. Now, thanks to Disney+, Plus, they can go directly to the home theater. And then the question was, will Disney continue with this behavior and will they, use, will they do this with other movies and, and big titles as well? The answer came very fast. Ever since that moment, Disney has started to launch in a VIP mode many of their blockbusters and they launch them at the same time in movie theaters and in home theaters. The revenue behind it and the profit behind it is a real game changer for Disney. So, and if you know that more than 50% of the market share in movie theaters comes from Disney movies, I mean, for movie theaters, this is a whole new world that they're waking up in after COVID. And Disney is very serious about it. They're going to invest 14 to $16 billion a year in content that they will stream directly to their users. And they expect in a couple of years from now to have about 260 million users. So imagine the potential if you can reach them directly with your content and you can get money from that that goes only to your bank account. This is a huge shift in the model that Disney has been working with. And it fits in this overall trend where you try to be closer than the customer, uh, where you try to be where the customer is. In the, in the past, you invested money to get them into the movie theaters. Now you invest money to reach them in the comfort of their own homes. Then we have Partner in Life. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the whole Magic Band project that Disney has in Disney World. If you go to Disney World with your family, everyone gets like a Magic Band which gives you access to the hotels and the parks and it allows you to pay. And it's a complete yeah, partner. It's not just increasing the efficiency, 
it helps you to get you through the day. Uh, and, and first of all, if people have such an efficient way to spend money, you know, what happens is they're going to spend more money. People with the magic band spend about 30% more on gadgets and food and merchandise than people without the magic band. And the crazy thing is they're even happier about it. So it was a huge hit. But it's not just about the efficiency. It's about how a bracelet can help you to get through the park in a more fun and an efficient way. It's also how they help you to find the right dining spots and how they become a partner of your full day at Disney World. And this is for me an example of how you bring technology to a physical environment. And by doing so, you increase the experience. And by doing so, you even increase the human factor. Like thanks to these magic bands, the staff in Disney World, they all know your name. They know in which hotel you're staying. They know if you're a first timer or a regular. And because of that, they can address you in a personalized way. And then you as a customer, you think, oh, wow, those humans here at Disney World, they really know their job well. And they do, but they get support from the platform. It's like intelligence augmented. And that helps you to have a fantastic experience. And those magic bands become a partner in your park experience. Then you have the top of the model, changing your world. Um, there's a lot to do about diversity in Disney films. Disney received a lot of criticism about, you know, typical stereotyping certain certain models, like every princess was, was, was white. Uh, and and how, how are, is Disney going to react to that? And you see how they're trying to add diversity to give a more global view and a more realistic view with their content today. And today they work more with female leadership. They work with um, other people or with people of color in different roles. And because of that, they try to open up that debate. Um, and that's the strength that they have. If you know how many people are watching all their films, think about the potential impact that they may have on, on the way that people think, on the way that young people think, and the way how different parts in the world are looking at diversity. So they have a huge responsibility and a huge potential there. Another, another playing field where they can you know, add value to the world is in the parks, of course. People spend a lot of time there. Usually you eat crappy food, but they install this, this item, this seal, that is like a, a green... Um, a green symbol that shows you if you eat this or if you order this, it's actually good for you. So they motivate people to buy stuff that is healthy and not just burgers and fries. They're investing a lot in their sustainability in the parks. So they're trying to do a good job there. But I think the biggest impact that they may have is on a global conversation on diversity thanks to the content that they're making. And if I bring that all together, I mean, Disney is a company that is doing a good job in digital for not being a digital native company. I think they reinvented themselves in an impressive way. The partner in life and changing your world, they're doing good things there. But the potential to grow further in that is still really, really big, in my opinion. So will the next Disney come out of China? Well, four years ago, there was an article on Wired magazine, and they were talking about this company that could actually be competing or, or replacing Disney at one point is called Tencent. And Tencent, the biggest social media company in China, actually they're a huge entertainment company. Not many people know that about Tencent. They know WeChat, but they don't know that they're so big in games. And then when Disney started to get into trouble in 2020 because of coronavirus. Uh, all the cinemas were, were closed and, and so it was really difficult to get their movies seen everywhere in the theaters. What happened is that people were telling that Disney is for sale. 
And the company that was going to buy it was Tencent. So what is this all about? Well, the reality is that Disney, luckily, they went into streaming, just like Netflix, and that saved them. And so Tencent didn't have the opportunity of the choice to buy it. So that never happened. But the reality is that we should really look at Tencent to understand how they are becoming maybe the next Disney in, on this planet. Now, if you look at Tencent, this company, it's, it's not just about WeChat. I mean, we all know about WeChat, but there's QQ, that was the original product, and they have so many products, and most of these products, like QQ and WeChat, it's like a billion users on WeChat, there's like seven, eight hundred million users on QQ, that's a younger version today, and then they have so many other pro products that they have in their portfolio. And one of the important ones that is actually the main revenue generator is games. They have so many games and all of these games or each of these games have like 50 to 100 to 100 thousands of daily active users just in China. Now, if you just look at the revenue that Tencent is generating from these games, it's almost 30% of their total revenue. And just looking at the number of apps that they have, it's clear that within China, there's no comparison. Just NetEase is actually doing maybe a third of the number of, of games in downloads as well as in revenue. But from Tencent, two of the Tencent games account to now a third of all the world's top 10 sales on games globally. So Tencent is really doing great when it comes to the game's revenue. Now, one thing to know is that this represents 43% of the market share that they have in China and 21% of the market share uh, of overseas revenue is actually generated from games overseas into their revenue. So big, big revenue generator. So Tencent known as a social media, it's not like Facebook and others that they just make money from ads. Actually, they're making money from these games. And every year Tencent is bringing out this last year it was 50 new games. The year before it was 31 new games. So, I mean, this is like one new game every single week. And the top three PC games and the top two mobile games in China were from Tencent. So huge company and a huge advantage instead in, in the market of China, but also globally. There's no comparison to Tencent. They're in everywhere and have so many partners like Ubisoft, Nintendo and so on. So lots of partners. Now, what's really cool about Tencent is the fact that they have this IP powerhouse. And not many people know that. It's not just about the social media, WeChat or, or QQ. No, they have games, they have eSport, they're very big in eSport. And every time there's like an eSport competition, this arena just fills with thousands of people, 10,000s of people in Shanghai. And so the tickets are sold within 24 hours. It's like madness in China. But they're really very big in that. Also in comics and anime, they have like 300 million users of comics and anime in China. What an IP uh, wealth that they have, it's incredible. Music business, one of the big music businesses comes from Tencent. And this is like the Spotify in China. I mean, they have so much, but it's their own intellectual property very often. Now that has a problem with the regulation today in China, but reality is this company, Tencent Music, went public just because they became so big. They're also in literature and they're also in pictures, in real Hollywood pictures type style. Chinese pictures, of course, but most of it is also in going into Hollywood and places like that, that they invest into movies overseas. It's not told very often, but this is an IP powerhouse 
that has IP everywhere. And so millions and millions of Chinese and also people from overseas are using this IP or looking at this IP as something for passing time. This is about entertainment. This is as rich, I would say, as Disney. It doesn't have the same history. Tencent is only 22 years old, of course. Now, one of the opportunities that I really see in China for Tencent in the game industry is that they've built this entertainment empire. And so they have so much IP that this shows that this company actually has the creative IP database to do magical things. And just like Disney, if you have the IP and you have so much of it, both in books and so in literature, in comics, in anime, in, in music, in all these things, then what happens is that you can bring out other products from that and make money from that. These are the products that could make money for Tencent big time even. They're a global player, so it's not just about China. Of course, not everybody knows that it's Tencent behind it, but they're often behind it. But I think the biggest value and opportunity for Tencent is that China is becoming or is the biggest market when it comes for, to entertainment. I mean, there's 1.4 billion users and that means more than a billion people that are on WeChat or on QQ or on any other product from Tencent. And anyone in the West that wants to access the Chinese market, there's only one player to go to and that is Tencent. So they're kind of a gateway for the Chinese market. And that's really their strength in doing deals globally. If you build a new game and you want to launch it globally, I mean, if you have the Chinese market and the, 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 the company Tencent behind you or as partner, I mean, that's already a big market share that you have. Now, talking about the challenges, there's a few things. I mean, they have this huge monopoly problems and crackdowns today. And one of the new regulations from early September is that uh, from the 1st of September, actually, is that young uh, people in China, so people below 18 years old, they're not allowed to play more than three hours of games anymore. And it's actually put exactly between eight and nine o'clock at night at, in the evening on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And what that means is that many of these people are not able to access these games because it was too addictive. There were too many people playing these games. And that tells you something about the power that Tencent has. But the real issue is that it became addictive, so addictive that it became unhealthy for the young and the government said, have to stop it. And now they're putting face recognition on there to make sure that the, these kids don't play because they could use the parents' ID and so on. So lots of crackdowns and that's a big challenge they're having. But they're also having local competition from like ByteDance a new player in the game industry, but also NetEase and others. So it's a pretty competitive area, even though they're the number one in China and one of the biggest in the world on games, they have a lot of competitions. Brand recognition, I think, is the biggest problem. If you compare with Disney, I mean, there's no way if you think about entertainment that people will think about Tencent. People won't think about Tencent as being an entertainment company overseas. No, they think about Disney. But the reality is that Tencent is behind many of them. So how can they get that brand out of there? And because they've been partnering a lot and investing in a lot of companies, they also haven't created a lot of professional in-house resources. It's often sitting with partners that they've invested in or acquired, but it's not so much part of the core of Tencent. And so they will have to change all that. Now, when it comes to the offer you can't refuse, I think the IP, uh, is the mer merchandising that they can really value. 
that means that they can put a value on that IP to create all these merchandises from literature, from comics, from anime, and so anything can go into the other. And so this IP can go. So if you have a, a great comic book, you can make a game out of it. You can make some, maybe it's a, a book out of it. You can, you can just swap it and use the same IP for many environments. And that's what entertainment is all about. And that can make a lot of money for, uh, for Tencent. And this is really convenient for people that are addicted or love this type of environment. Of course, WeChat, the super app, is something unique. There's no application in the world that is so uh, unique and, and has so many features and makes your life so easy. So that also helps, of course, to advertise all these games within China because anybody's constantly online on WeChat or much of their time in the day, so you can easily advertise these games. The typical thing about games is that they're often offered for free, but then to make money, how do you do that? Well, of course, these virtual goods that you put like skins or, or, or kinds of different dresses or weapons you can buy out for these games. This is very hot in China. It's been hot for 20 years almost, let's say 15 years. The Chinese were buying all these goods, virtual goods, to actually play these games. And, and this is also going into live streaming and other places. Chinese love to buy virtual goods. And that's the trend now today in many areas. But Tencent is at the forefront of it all. And just the sheer volume of all the games. Now, when we think about partner in life, I mean, it's clear that Tencent, with their mini programs, they're, they're present in every area, in every user journey part, or every journey that the user is taking, which means that there's so many touch points that it's easy for them to add entertainment on every of these touch points. And so China's becoming like an entertainment shopping center everywhere you go, because WeChat is everywhere you go. On top of it, the number of daily usage is just so big. So people feel that this is part of what they do. That's part of their lives. And that's why Tencent is a partner in life of every Chinese, because it's part of their life, a big part of their day. They're also doing a lot of global investment, Tencent. And so I do believe that this is not just a Chinese company. This is a global company. It's just they're investing more. They're more an investor in other people's businesses, specifically in social media and gaming and so on. And so they're enabling the world and they're looking for the best games and partnering with the best studios, investing in them. So they're always ahead of the curve. And the difference is that that's the way, that's their only way to actually create so many new games every single year. Finally, I want to say that Tencent is really about doing good for the planet and saving the world. I'm a strong believer in that. And, and, and this is because they come from social media. They really want to be part of that. They want to be good for society. And, and Tencent is launching a lot of new games specifically for people who have problems in uh, society. Think about uh, visually impaired people uh, or people who can't hear very well. They're making special games, special literature, special comics for people to actually be able to enjoy this entertainment as well. So this is very inclusive and thinking about the consumer. But also the, the founder of Tencent, Podi Ma, he said very clearly he wants technology for good. And I think that's really what it is. If you're such a big tech company, doing good for society is something that has to come from the founder. If he believes it, then the rest of the company will go into that direction as well. Of course, like every other Chinese company, uh, big tech company, they've all been doing a lot of contributions for coronavirus. So you see this really happening. But one of the projects I really love about Tencent is that they've built a new city. It's called the Net City. 
The net city is a city in Shenzhen the size of Manhattan that they're building and it's only going to take seven years to build there, halfway already. And this is a city which is complete carbon neutral, full harmony between people and between nature and where everything will be self-driving and they're really setting the standards of how a smart uh, carbon zero city should look like in the future. And that's why I believe Tencent is really setting the pace for how to save the world in the future. Pascal, if I look to both stories, Tencent and Disney, I mean, like the, the golden triangle to be successful with entertainment is having content, mm -hmm. it's having IP and distribution. Yep. Disney in the past only had content and IP. It's only when they started with Disney Plus that they had distribution. Now, both companies have all three of them. Mm -hmm. But you were very excited about the IP of yep. Tencent, yep. Where, whereas I still believe that it's, it's, it's nothing compared with the Mickey Mouse effect and the IP that Disney has globally. Well, it's very local. It's, it's Chinese IP. And so within China, definitely, I mean, everybody knows this IP. It's about novels, comics, about things from the past. But globally, I totally agree. That's why they're partnering so much with other companies, because they have the IP outside China. The thing I liked about your Tencent story that you mentioned is that Tencent, as an entertainment and communication company, that they're actually building the city of the future. Yep, the I thought that, city. That, was, that was so yep. cool to hear. Yeah, and maybe Disney and Tencent, they should work together and build a new city together. Yeah, I, I don't think that will work, Pascal, because Disney doesn't build cities. They build, they build lands and worlds, so that, that won't work. Okay, well, at least I could try. <laughs> you could try. Yeah. So, guys, hopefully you liked uh, our stories and the insights on Tencent and Disney. Thanks for watching. Subscri subscribe to the channel, and we'll see you again for the next episode. See you next week.